can we put up the first slide, please? So that's a shot of a feast. Is that making anyone hungry? So what we feed on grows, and so this is an example of a feast, obviously, uh, really partaking, getting into uh, things, and there's different analogies we're going to look at in a minute. So you can see here there's a feast. Uh, what we feed grows, and then let's look at the next slide, and what we starve dies. You can see here, I was actually going to do a picture of just a plain table, but then I thought, well, it doesn't actually show the desire of someone trying to eat. So I thought this kind of epitomized it a bit better with a table where kind of there's a little bowl and it's a little bit of food there and there's a little kind of like a biscuit thing there and hardly any water there and it's kind of like just barely surviving, starving. So what we feed grows and what we starve dies. Guys, I'll get you go back to the first slide now just as I do this intro. Thanks, AV team. Okay, what I wanted to do is I wanted to read from Philippians, and we're going to look at the importance here of uh, having these principles of making sure that we're making the right choices of things to feast on, and things that also that we actually should go into a famine on, things that we should actually choose to starve in our life, to strengthen our life spiritually. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And this is a simple statement to start off with this scripture here, but it relates to this principle we want to talk about today, that what we feed grows and what we starve dies. Because that that particular scripture there is talking about our thought life, what we think on. Uh, It's interesting, I had a mentoring session with someone this morning and actually training them on how do we reprogram our thinking. Um, Because when you think about it, I want to start a little bit on this. When you think about just what you feed on and what you feast on and what you starve, I mean, that that actually um, directly relates to our soul life, the quality of our soul. Because if you you look at the Word of God, it teaches that we first, you know, our soul is our thinking and it's also our emotions and it's also our will. So if we think about our thinking, it's our thoughts. Our emotions are how we feel and our will are our choices. So let's go thoughts, feelings, choices. Everyone say thoughts. Everyone say feelings. Everyone say choices. So, So thoughts, feelings, choices. Watch this. What we think usually has an effect on what we feel. And what we feel inspires us or motivates us and leads us to choices. Watch this. That's all about the principles of God. When we talk about the Bible, there's really two main themes. God's talking about encouraging us to believe for promises to manifest, but he's also encouraging us to walk out principles because we walk out principles that helps to manifest the promises. Everyone say principles and everyone say promises. Okay, good. All right. So when we think certain things and we feast on certain thoughts, the word of God, and we think a certain way, then that actually creates certain feelings and emotions which actually help us to stay focused and make right choices, which leads to the promises manifesting. The problem, though, is that as Christians, sometimes we're not feasting on the right things. We're actually feasting on the wrong things that create the wrong thinking, and then those things create the wrong feelings, and those feelings lead to us making the wrong choices, which prevents us or stops us or limits us or inhibits us from walking in the promises of God. And then watch this. This is where the dreaded (laughs) cycle comes in. Because we get frustrated and annoyed that these promises aren't manifesting and things aren't breaking through, then that gets us to what? Think. 
this isn't working, I hate this. And then we feel, and then we make those choices like big cream buns or crispy creams. And then we don't break through in our fitness. And then we go, oh, oh, I just ate it. And then we get on the scales the next day, whatever. you know. The, and then we go back to here and we think certain things. And then we feel and then we make choices. And then, and it becomes this cycle. Okay? Who's ever experienced this cycle? Don't, don't put your hand up. Just say yes on the inside. Okay? All right? Ever had, okay, now watch this. The importance of looking at where we're feasting and where we need to famine is it's not about just stopping this cycle, okay? Getting victory in our life is not about just stopping this cycle. We actually have to reverse this cycle because if you stop this cycle, it's always a fight and it's always a battle. And life is always a fight and it's always a battle, but we've actually got to focus on fighting to reverse this cycle so that okay now what's going to happen here what are we doing we're reversing the cycle because what we're doing is we're now what we're thinking the right things so we get those, those emotions around, I am victorious, and I am strong, and I am courageous, and I am an overcomer, which enables us to more than often, not always, but more than often make the right choices, which then helps to break us into the promises of God, which we get a taste of success, and we think, yes, I have defeated that, I have broken through, mm, yeah, and then we start to think the right things about ourselves and then we start to feel the right things and we make the right choices and then more promises manifest and we start to think the right things and we start to feel the right things we make the right choices and more promises manifest and we actually build our life with this turbine of feasting on the right things and famining and starving those thoughts and those things and those feelings and those choices that would try and prevent us from breaking through and actually being able to walk in the generational blessing of God and so this cycle that you and I are continuing to build we're actually breaking the cycle of the curse on a planet called earth because we're ambassadors of the curse breaker we're ambassadors of the life maker called Jesus and this is the cycle that you and I are called to start building on the earth and if you start building it like Tina and Walter are examples right now they're building this they're starting to break through and if they start to teach their children and their children's children and their spiritual children on how to actually do this as well, then we start to see people raise up in the things of God. Thank God that four months ago, if I'd done the beginning of that message, I'd probably be lying on the ground. I'm okay. What we feed grows and what we starve dies. And I was thinking of how the Bible says to not let the sun go down on your anger is an example of what you allow to feed as opposed to what you allow to starve. See, when you're angry, the Bible says now it's important to walk at the principle of starving that anger. Don't let it be fed even more, meaning that we should strive to resolve arguments quickly. That's an example of starving something that appropriately needs to be starved, and that's your anger rather than feeding it. 
If we don't, a small spark of anger has the potential of becoming a huge raging fire that may affect many. Have you been feeding your spirit with the best quality spiritual food lately? And that anger example is just one thing. It could be different things. And so I want to start by looking at the story of spiritual food. And it starts in the book of Genesis. Who here has heard of Jacob and Esau? Good. All right. Well, in the book, if you're taking notes, we're just going to look at this scriptural example. And then I want to go to a practical presentation around two different characters that we need to understand in this principle of feasting versus famine. So Jacob and Esau. What's interesting about these two guys? Let me just read some scripture here from Genesis 25, 19. Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 to 25. I'm not going to read all of that, but I want you to just make a note of that scriptural reference if you're doing any study after this. Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 to 25. What's interesting is, is <clears throat> there was the mother of these two guys, Jacob and Esau. And the, part of the scripture teaches about these two brothers were fighting in her womb. So the battle between kind of the spirit versus the flesh is the analogy that we're going to look at here. Because if you look at these two guys' lives, one person was someone who gave good examples of actually feasting on the right things and choosing to starve other things. Whereas Esau, Jacob's brother, was someone who actually chose to feast on a bowl of soup rather than actually pushing aside or starving his flesh. And it led to all different types of problems. So in this particular Scripture here in verse 23, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Verse 24, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. Verse 25, the first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. That's what the Bible says. Interesting. A hairy baby. So they named him Esau. Verse 26. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to him. So the scripture talks about that there was tension even in the womb. There was competition. And that the second baby, Jacob, was grabbing on the heel. The first baby was the firstborn. Naturally, in, uh, in culture of those days, the firstborn kind of carried the, the birthrights of the family. And so they, kind of, they had laid claim first to all the inheritance. Whereas Jacob was grabbing onto the heel while coming out of the mother's womb, and so they called him Jacob. And so we know that the story of Jacob, he grew up to be a man who wanted to wrestle God. He, came up, he grew up as a man who wasn't perfect. In some parts of the Bible, it says that Jacob even deceived people to try to get things to happen. Who knows that sometimes the desire for the things of God will come before the character development of God within us. Come on now, who knows that sometimes the desire for the things of God will become more evident in someone's life before the character development. That's why we need to cheer and encourage new Christians. Because when they get the fire of the Holy Spirit on the inside and they get desire for the things of God, they may not be living perfectly yet. They may not have it all together. So we need to teach and train them, but we need to do it in a way that doesn't actually stamp out the fire of God in them. Come on now. So it takes a nurturing and a pastoral heart and a mothering and fathering to say, you go for the things of God. God's on you. But come on, let's, let's teach you how to, to walk this way. Let's teach you how to walk that way in grace and mercy, but also not being afraid to correct where it's required. And so 
When it comes to this particular example, there was tension between these two twins. I want to talk about that in a minute because there's tension in you and I, like Rebecca, who experienced these, these two babies who were kind of you know, tense and rivals on the inside of her. You and I, from an analogy perspective, we actually have two things inside of us that rival each other all the time. It's called the fight and the war between your spirit and your flesh. And today I want to talk about that battle, that war that takes place. Before I go there, though, I want to read a little bit more from Genesis, talking about Esau selling his birthright. So now I'm going to look here at verses 19 to 25. And I want to look at at a particular, actually, verse, sorry, verse 29, we're going to jump to. Verses 29 to 34. It says here in verses 29 to 34 of Genesis chapter 25, once when Jacob was cooking stew... Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. And Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Let me, re- let me restate that. This is Esau's response. I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Right there is an example of when we're in the flesh, when we're tired, when we're annoyed, when we're frustrated, when we're angry, we usually exaggerate the circumstance. Come on now. You're so annoying me right now. You always do this. When actually, you don't always do this. If you ever said, turn to your husband and wife and said, you always do that. For those of you who aren't married, pray for your future husband or wife. You've never said that? Barb's joking, of course. (laughs) So we tend to exaggerate. And so when we tend to exaggerate the circumstances, that there is an example of we're actually not aligning our thinking to truth. And then we allow our emotions to dictate the feeling of the moment, the feeling of the situation, the feeling of the circumstance, and then we end up making bad choices. Can I tell you that exaggeration is a cycle in the moment when your flesh is dominant? You need to tell that flesh moment right there to bow down. It's not as bad as it seems and get more control over it in your spirit so that you make the right choices. Can I tell you, this is, this is important for families, this is important for young people, that you need to recognize you and I are wired that when we're in the flesh, when we're in that fleshly moment, we will tend to exaggerate that particular situation, which is trying to justify to make the right choice, to try to sell out, to make a a compromising decision uh, that will actually go against our goals, go against our dreams, go against the thing that God is wanting us to do. Can everyone say amen to that? And so Esau was exaggerating. Oh, I'm about to die. You know, the Bible teaches he wasn't about to die. He was just really, really hungry and really, really tired. So who thinks that that was a slight exaggeration? I'm about to die. Okay, like bad acting a home and away. It was just off. (laughs) Of what use is a birthright to me? The feeling, the intense feeling of how tired and how frustrated he was, that intense feeling was trying to persuade him to, to take away the value of the things that he was called to value. What, you know, what use is his birthright to me? Can I tell you, that's how deceiving a strong fleshly moment will be. It puts so much value in the now, the moment, how I feel. Oh, but I feel to do this. It just feels so right. (sighs) This is where it's important for us 
to get more discipline. And so the, the story goes on. And so Jacob said, swear to me now. So Esau swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. Lentil stew. And he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. What's, what is another word for birthright? The promise of God. The Bible's teaching right here in this example that when we don't manage this journey of thoughts, emotions, choices properly and it becomes a cycle, then actually we're, we're disrespecting the promises of God. We actually are not loving them. We're not putting the amount of value that we should be on in our life. And so it, that's why we have to break that cycle. Again, what are you feasting on and what are you starving on? Sometimes as Christians we should be feasting on the Word of God and yet we're feasting on rubbish TV now, look, I'm not into religion, so I love watching a little bit of TV every now and then and reading a magazine and, you know. No, not Home and Away. I just, I just can't do that. But bless you if you're into Home and Away. God bless you. We have a ministry team for you to deliver you. <laughs> um, so, look, as a church, we're not into religion. We're not into, you know, these kind of legalistic so it's, it's good to have fun. It's good to go and see a good movie. But can I tell you, there will be times in your cycles, in your year, where sometimes you're going to be tempted to start to feast too much on this stuff. And it becomes your escape. And you're, you're sowing into that rather than spending good quality time with the Lord. And I want to encourage you that sometimes that's why the Lord will cause us to starve those things so we can get the balance right again and start to spend time with God. That's why God calls us to fast every now and then so that we can starve the things of the flesh in order to feast on the things of God to get the balance back or even to shift to a new level in feeding our spirit man or woman. And so it's about spiritual choices in the Esau Jacob, we can see that the choices, the, the choice that came from the feelings, the exaggerated emotion that Esau bought into, caused him to make a bad choice. And those emotions came from having stupid thoughts like, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I'm dying here. It's that bad. You know, sometimes our thoughts about, if we can put up those two pictures, can we have a look at the, the feast picture first, picture number two? There we go, feast one there. You know, sometimes the Lord is encouraging us that when we spend time with him, it's going to be that good. It's going to taste good. We're going to get something out of it. But do you know sometimes we have to fight the thought? Can we look at the next picture? That hanging out with God is more like this experience. Oh, yeah, this is something that I have to do. It's a bit gray, black and white. It's not really colorful. It's not really going to make me drool. It's just going to be ho-hum. Yeah, read a couple of scriptures, tick the Christian box. There's a battle right there in our thought life of what do we really get when we see sometimes you're going to be convincing yourself that you're going to have far more of a, of, of a good rest when you watch The Housewives of Beverly Hills rather than actually reading the book of Proverbs. <laughs> Come on now. Sometimes you're going to have a battle where you feel like you're going to have more of a fun time. Come on now. You're going to have more of that time of resting your soul by watching just some trashy TV rather than actually getting into the things of God. That right there is a battle of the mind that you and I have to win. Now, again, am I condemning anyone who watches Beverly Hills um, Housewives? No, because sometimes I watch it. <laughs> okay? There was a confession right there. Can we get that ministry team ready? I need, I need ministry. I need deliverance. 
Oh, it's hilarious. But it's about making the right choices. So Esau was more concerned with filling his fleshly desires of the immediate than having and pursuing the things of God. A bowl of soup meant more to him than spiritual inheritance. So it's about spiritual choices, but it's also about spiritual struggles. And so there was a struggle within that took place. Esau obviously lost, but there was a struggle within that took place. And Esau represents the battle of the flesh. Jacob represents our spirit, our spirit putting more value. You know, he was being strategic. Jacob was being strategic. He wanted the spiritual inheritance. Sometimes you and I need to be strategic to feast on the right things and to starve other things. We have to manage our time. We have to think about our days, think about our week, think about our months. You know, for Sarah and I, we love to plan out holidays. We love to plan out our rest times. We have a date night at least once a week. There are times when we spend time with the Lord. There are different uh, ways that we spend time with the Lord. Sometimes we'll pray together. Sometimes we'll do things separately. But we plan out our things. Uh, I mean, I mean, Holly, Holly knows. I mean, she works with us, and she knows that a lot of times we're in the morning, we're on the phone with a coffee, and we're looking through our schedule. A lot of times, Sarah and I are wanting to talk think about, okay, what's the day ahead? What's the plan of attack? We're going to put priority on here. And so, I want to encourage you. There will always be a fight for time between the spirit and the flesh. The third thing that we learn also is there are spiritual outcomes. There's an outcome that comes from. There are benefits that come from getting the feast. And the famine priority is right. There are things in your life that you have to famine. As in you have to actually deliberately starve those areas in your life. So that you can get strong for the things of God. And so when we look at that story, just to summarize, then we want to move into this other part of the presentation today on this teaching. Is that I want you to write those three points down. There are spiritual choices. Everyone write down the, the, the note of choices. Spiritual choices. The second point is there are struggles. There is a struggle. Uh, Identify that there is a struggle. To prepare for a battle, you have to first admit there is a battle. There is always going to be a struggle. While you and I are living on planet Earth, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are, how many hours you spend with Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, there will still always be a struggle between your spirit and the flesh, but it's a struggle that you want to win. How do you do that? By feasting on the things of God and starving the things of the flesh. And there's also spiritual outcomes. There are outcomes that come from, uh, you know, making the right choices and willing, winning the struggle. Jacob, although he did things sometimes in a deceitful way, on occasion, he had spiritual hunger. Everyone say spiritual hunger. And after wrestling with God all night on a separate occasion, he became a great nation. He became God's chosen people. He had a calling. He had a destiny. He had a pathway. He had promises of God manifested on his life because his spiritual hunger had more value in his life than the quick, immediate fleshly desire. Come on now. Esau had everything going for him. He was a hunter, the Bible teaches. He was the oldest son, the favorite of his father. And yet because he was more interested in fulfilling the desires of the flesh immediately than in making wise choices, he became the enemy of Jacob and the enemy of God. Because he went on to actually lead a group of people who actually warred against the bloodline of Jacob. And that started in the womb. There was obviously something going on there. And this is the key. The flesh, your fleshly desires, they are an enemy to the promises of God in your life. It's not about being condemned, but it's about identifying what particularly are those Achilles heels in your world. See, the Achilles heel of your flesh in your world may be different to the Achilles heel of other people. It's important to take stock. So let's 
now have a look at the importance of feeding the flesh versus feeding the spirit. I want us to look at this next slide here. We're going to introduce you to a couple of characters today. Feeding the flesh versus feeding the spirit. And let's first of all read from Romans 13 to 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. That's teaching from Paul, Apostle Paul in the book of Romans. Now, point number one is, this is you. Everyone say, this is me. Now, I've got a little note there. Or us, a human made in God's image. Ladies, sorry, you have to identify with a little guy. But, you know, it's all good. We get it. We're all human, okay? This is you. This is me. This is the human being. Okay, let's look at the second slide. Okay, this is the flesh. Everyone, as you're sitting, I want you to grab your hands like this and kind of bring them in like a gorilla and do a grunt for me. Ready? One, two, three. Okay? You know when you're feeling fleshy, it kind of represents that feeling. Do you know what I mean? Right? Come on now, think about it. When you really, really want to drive in a KFC. <laughs> it's like that on the inside. Right? A bacon and cheese zingerburger. Man. <laughs> Whereas asparagus with grilled salmon. <laughs> right? With just lemon juice and no creamy sauce. All right. This is the flesh. He's kind of like a job of the heart. Anyone got, got Star Wars fans in the house this morning? All right. So he's kind of a job of the heart meets a WWF wrestler. The flesh represents the sinful, corrupted desires of our heart. It's not a reference to our bodies. Okay. Our bodies are created by God and are good. The flesh represents our sinful cravings to live for ourselves and disobey God's law and commands. The flesh. <laughs> All right, let's look at the next slide. So before Jesus saves us, this is how all of us relate to the flesh. Before Christ, this is kind of the relationship between us and the flesh. The Bible says that we are slaves to our sinful desires. Our flesh is boss before Jesus comes into our life. If you're not a Christian, I'm not trying to offend you, bless you. I know that this isn't a flattering picture of your current condition, but it's true of all of us apart from God saving us. Okay? All right, let's have a look at the next slide. Okay, so this is what happens when we trust in Jesus. Because Jesus died on the cross and conquered sin and rose again, we are freed from the power of sin. It's no longer our boss. See how the chain is broken? And we get clothes, which is really great too. <laughs> so who knows that when you first give your heart to Jesus there is this really great sense of freedom and celebration sometimes we call it the honeymoon it's like you know because it's the first time you've experienced something that is actually helping you to overcome those things and you feel that that sense of the word of God and the reality of Christ and Christ's example in you and the Holy Spirit and you know when you get water baptized and you come out of the water and if you're baptized in the spirit and praying in tongues creates that dunamis electrifying power of God within you and you speak the word of God out and you pray and and you give God your problems and it's a great time when you think yeah I've got victory and let's have a look at the next slide this is one of the most critical ones. This is where I think 
there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to our Christian walk. But our flesh doesn't disappear. You know that time when you're a new Christian and you're on that high and then you have this reality check that your flesh is actually still there? And you think, oh, no. And then that's where you need. This is where we need to encourage new Christians because they can feel condemned because, you know, they might be still making some bad choices or whatever. So the flesh still hangs around to entice us. And after we're Christians, we no longer are slaves to sin, but the flesh can still tempt us. We can choose to give in to temptation and indulge the flesh. That's a choice that we can make. And this is what theologians call indwelling sin. Indwelling sin is when the flesh hangs around and we give in to those fleshly desires and we feast on the things that the flesh wants us to feast on rather than starving those things. It's called indwelling sin, which means that's why people who are born again, walk with Jesus, have a relationship with Jesus, can still have battles with sin. Yes, the word says that we have victory over sin because of Jesus. We have the power of God in our life. We have been able to defeat these things. But the reality is, is that a Christian still has to appropriate their fight against the fleshly desires and to starve those things and actually feast on the Word of God, which gives them faith in order to help to push those things away so they can make the right choices and they can live a life of victory. Everyone say amen to that. So Jesus broke the power of sin, but we still live with the presence and influence of sinful desires. So one thing that I think is important is to just go, if you have, so all the blokes in the house, do I have any blokes here? Okay. All right. So I I call it the double take, right? I've talked about this before. Guys, right? When you have a temptation to have a lustful thought, you see a good looking woman, right? The first look, it's like, okay, oh, right. My fleshly desire wants me to look again and linger and then create a fantasy picture in my mind, right? Okay, that right there is a fleshly desire. So I can either make that choice to feed that fleshly desire by doing that or I can choose to starve my fleshly desire and say no by allowing my spirit man to use the word of God and say, no, I am victorious over that. I don't have to look again. I, my faith and my nourishment and my strength comes from being with God. I choose not to. Now, just that choice right there. Just that choice right there. That daily micro moment choice of feasting on truth and starving the flesh would bless a lot of marriages on planet Earth. So men... That's why we encourage you when you're in dating season, okay, even before you're in dating season, you're in single season and you're a man of God, okay? Now, don't feel condemned if you're still struggling with this, but work on it. Have the spirit of Jacob. Put more value on your spiritual inheritance rather than the immediate. So work on the ability to feast on the right things and to starve the right things. That right there is a micro example. Because our flesh doesn't disappear. Okay, next one. Now, that's why the Bible is full of encouragement to fight our fleshly desires. Who's up for the fight? We can live at peace with it 
sorry, we can't live at peace with the flesh. We have to attack it and we have to deny it. I talk about life as kind of like, you know, one of those travelators. And life really is like a travelator going in the opposite direction. Unless you actually are working hard to build forward momentum, if you just kind of rest for too long, you'll start to go backwards. Okay, so the travelator is coming this way. Life is really always about we've got to... We've got to have a fight in us. We've got to be fighting things. Okay, there are times and moments of rest, yes. But if your rest means you have a long, long, long vacation from spiritual fighting, you're going to start to go backwards, particularly when it comes against the flesh. So we can't live at peace with the flesh. We have to attack it and deny it. In hindsight, I guess the word of the Spirit would have been a bit more biblical. Uh, sorry, the sword of the Spirit would have been a bit more biblical than the, than the little stick thing, Right? But can I say this too? You have to take on your flesh. One of the biggest things about breakthrough I've seen in my own life is when I've taken on the flesh and I've decided to take things, you know, get that thing to bow down to the name of Jesus, then breakthrough comes. It's a fight though. It's a battle. My, my, the heartbeat of this word this morning to our church is I want to encourage you in a minute to personally, you're not gonna, we're not going to put it on the screen. We're not going to get you to stand up and confess it in front of everyone. I'm going to get you to personally in your little privacy of your little... F- your little smartphone, no one's looking. I'm going to get you to identify some things in a minute. So who knows we've got to fight the flesh? Who knows we've got to feast on the Word of God, but we've got to starve the flesh? That sounds like an encouraging response. Who knows that we've got to starve the flesh? Come on now, I'm, I'm encouraging you to warfare, so I need some warrior spirit here. Who knows we have to starve the flesh? Who knows we have to deny it? Who knows we have to take it on? Who knows we have to take it down? All right, good, that's better. Excellent. Okay, the next one. AV team, the next one, please. Awesome. All right. The problem is that too often Christians make friends with the flesh, with their flesh. In fact, they feel they feed their flesh too much. We give in to our sinful desires when we do that. We pamper our flesh. We provide it three rounded meals a day with snacks and dessert. We might think that since we've been freed by the cross, it's okay to indulge the flesh. But there's a real problem when we feed the flesh. There's a real problem when we make choices to feed the flesh and not to starve it. Let's have a look at this next one. Next, this is the problem. When we feed the flesh, when we don't actively, strategically pinpoint where are, where are those, f- those fleshly areas in our life that are kind of maybe having it over us right now? And we, we, when, we, when we don't even think about it, we don't allow the Holy Spirit in to kind of show us and we don't strategically kind of write those things down and have a strategy and a battle to kind of end the season, I'm going to take that on, I'm going to take that on, okay? Then this is what happens. The flesh grows because we give in to those desires and we feed those desires. And before you know it, the flesh is bigger and stronger than you and starts to push you around. And that's why Paul is telling us in Romans 13 that we need to, next slide, that we need to starve our flesh. Who thinks the flesh right there looks a lot better? Than being that big monstrous thing intimidating you, right? Okay? Everyone say, starve. Starve. We have to put our flesh in famine. Rather than allowing our flesh to feast on whatever it wants to feast on. 
being a disciple is about getting excited about our flesh starving. Being a disciple is about getting excited. <laughs> getting excited. Getting excited about starving our flesh. <laughs> That's what we want our flesh to look like. We want the flesh gaunt and feeble. We want, uh, when Paul says, make no provision for the flesh, he says, don't feed your sinful desires. Don't do things and don't think things and don't watch things and don't meditate on things that strengthen your sinful inclinations. Let's say that again. I know there's a lot of don'ts, but can I tell you, if you get the right don'ts happening, man, the door of do's open up in your world. You can do, 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 a whole lot more. You can do, 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 a whole lot more. Amen. So it's not about killjoy. Well, actually, some of it is killjoy because it's fun to do some of these fleshly things. That's why they're called fleshly desires. But there's long-term consequences. And we want to go into long-term benefits. And so we're going to get this. We don't have to be perfect, but we're going to get this balance right. And we've got to you know, have the courage and the bravery today to think in a fresh way about, hey, you know what? Holy Spirit, you are for me. You love me, God. I want you to, in a fresh way, talk to me intimately and say, hey, what are some areas that I need to stop feasting or allowing those things to feast? And what are some of the things I need to actually strategically bring famine into? And what are some of the things that I need to feast on? So don't do things. Don't think things. Don't watch things. Don't meditate on things that strengthen your sinful inclinations. Just a little bit of an example, and then we'll go to a question round. For example, let's think for a minute on our media diet, okay? One of of the biggest ways I think a Christian can feed their flesh is on their media diet. So I'm talking TV, movies, internet, music. We need to ask the question, are the things I'm watching and are the things that I'm listening to feeding my flesh? There's one thing to have, you know, pockets of entertainment in your life again. We're not going to get like... Uh, weird and religious and you know, all go and shave our heads and go to a mountain and hum. Okay, it's important to have fun, watch a good movie, you know, catch up on the sport on the internet, download some great music, go and have a picnic with the love of your life with some music playing, all these great fun things we can do in life. But... <clears throat> We look at things like this. Maybe for you, um, it's important for you to be mindful of what type of or what level of sensual scenes in movies you watch. Because if you feed that, then for the next week, you might have more lustful thoughts than usual. And then that can position you to make bad choices. Who thinks that what we're talking about here is called wisdom? Um, Or even plots in movies. You know, I've had to counsel people who've gone and watched full-on dark movies and have had nightmares, right? Now, some of you might go, well, I'm into, you know, movies with a bit of um, 
a, a fantasy film. Look, I'm not saying, again, getting religious, but I'm just saying you've got to identify you and yourself. Some people can, can watch a little bit of a, a horror movie and it's fine. But I know there are some people who go and watch something like that and they have nightmares. So that's their Achilles heel. We've got to identify what are some of the things. We've got to manage these things because it helps us. Um, <clears throat> and if, if you are watching some scenes and it gets a bit hot and sensual and you're thinking, okay, I probably shouldn't be watching this, I've really got two words for you. Two words that will help you. Actually, three words. Turn it off. Turn it off. Don't sit there and do what I've done before in the past and go, oh, that's not too bad. Oh, okay. Mm. Oh. Uh, usually, if, you know, most times, obviously, when I watch a movie, I'm with Sarah. Uh, even when we were dating, if anything came on, she, she's so good. She, I just automatically have this hand in front of my eyes like this. Right. But can I encourage you, get into the discipline of filtering your world. Because can I tell you, like Esau, it can lead to things. It can lead to battles that you have to now uh, fight and your spirit man is weak about certain things and your flesh is strong. And so I want us to go to the next slide. This key point here, and then I'm going to ask a couple of questions and we're going to finish. What you feed will grow. It will grow in strength because you're nourishing it. If you feed lustful desires, they will grow. They will get stronger. And then they'll be harder to battle. You need to starve them. You need to learn the habits of starving them. So they grow weak. So then you have even more ease of having victory over them. You have to starve them. If you have... Self-pity thinking. (laughs) If you keep feeding that, right, by allowing yourself to keep thinking those things, it's, it's important for you to starve those thoughts and to actually feast on the word of God in your mind and deliberately and strategically speak words of victory over your life. Speak words of uh, <clears throat> overcoming spirit over your life, scriptures over your life. So the next slide, and we're going to ask a couple of questions. This is going to be now just for you to self-reflect. What are you feeding that you need to start starving? That's the first question. What we're going to do is we're going to have a little bit of thinking time. Can I have the AV team put a little bit of music in the background? Bit of thinking, bit of thinking music. And I want you to write these things down. Don't put them on Facebook. Okay, just a private, I'd love to see people just thinking about these things. Holy Spirit, throughout this place, I thank you, Lord, that you want to help us and you want to empower us. So, Lord, we don't want to waste this moment because there are so many distractions in life. So, Lord, we want to take this moment, being encouraged by this word, to analyze and to pinpoint what are the things, Holy Spirit, show us right now that we've been feeding, that now you're asking us to start starving those things. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to give you a good minute or so. 
So if you're looking at me wondering when am I going to talk next, it's going to be about 45 seconds. So get busy writing something down. Don't waste this moment. This will help you. I want to encourage all of our leaders to set an example. Our leaders should be writing things down. When we come to the house of God, yes, it's a fun place, but it's a place to get good teaching, to create action points, to make decisions, to respond to the Word of God. We don't come and just hear the Word of God to be entertained, to tickle our ears. It's a healthy thing to respond to the Word of God. Jesus, when He preached the Gospel, He asked for people to respond to the truth. What are you feeding that you need to start starving? Okay, the next slide, please. And what are you starving that you need to start feeding? We can still have the music. (laughs) What are you starving that you need to start feeding? What are the things that you haven't been investing time into that actually the Holy Spirit said, you need to start feeding on these things? You need to start feasting on these things. You need to start putting more value on these things. Spending more time doing these things. Let's write down a couple of bullet points. Your action points. Just a couple more moments. Don't want to rush this moment. I think sometimes in church life, we're so quick just to end the sermon, do a bit of music, and everyone walks out, have a cup of tea. Sometimes we just don't take the moment to appropriate. How does this word appropriate to you? Come on now. Let's process the word of God. That's what it's designed to do. Let's position the word of God in our heart to process. How does this relate to me? Because God is interested in your life, where you are right now. So allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Word and to shine a light on a couple of key things for you to adjust, for you to change, because He loves you and He wants to see blessing in your life. Awesome. Okay. Thank you, AV team. We can... Take off that beautiful thinking music. <laughs> Can we give our AV team a round of applause? They've done a great job. <laughs> Girls are great. Thank you. All right. Um, <clears throat> has that helped? A couple of people down the front here. It's helped them. Has that helped? <laughs> Good on you. All right. Before we go, we had one question that came in. It said this. If we feed on the godly things, I'm just going to ask just Jace if you can pop up. It says, if we feed on the godly things yet work in an ungodly place, how can we stop our ungodly thoughts from creeping in? Let me read the question again. It's a thing, really important one. If we feed on the godly things yet we work in an ungodly place, how can we stop our ungodly thoughts from creeping in? 
Well, when I read that question, the thing that immediately came to mind was um, a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4, verse 4. And it says here, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So if we're thinking on godly thoughts and yet we live in an ungodly world, what we've got to understand is this. There will be a tipping point that takes place in your life. And it will be a tipping point that you'll always have to keep in balance. The tipping point is this. When your spirit has been fed enough and your flesh has been starved enough, the tipping point means that your spirit man or woman is stronger majority of the time than your flesh. So what that means is, is as a Christian and as a disciple, you are now in a season where you can influence the world around you. You can actually go into your workplace that could be very ungodly But because your spirit is dominant in the balance within you because you've fed it and you've starved your flesh, you can then use that strong spirit to see things spoken about, see things discussed, and make a choice to not partake, to have the boundaries, to not to let those things entertain your life. For example, I've counseled some young men of God who've been in a workplace where there's been open magazines of pornography around the workmates. And they've had battles of like, well, how, it's just there on the coffee table during the, in the tea room. What do I do? I said, well, first of all, you need to go on a journey of, in your private life, you need to invest into your spirit man and you need to starve the flesh in, in your private life. You need to feed on the Word of God. You've got to feed on the principles of God and starve those things. And so then you'll get to a point where when you come into an area where there's something that's open there, right, you'll have the ability to know that it's there, but you'll be able to choose, no, that's not something that I'm going to feast on. I choose not to. Then also you need to pray, and the Lord will give you wisdom of how do you relate to the other guys because they're going to see that you don't partake. And the Lord will give you wisdom of how to actually set a boundary relationally, but by not actually you know, being horrible or nasty to them, still loving them, but respectfully saying, well, that's just not for me. But the key is this, there are sometimes seasons where your spirit man or woman is strong and your flesh is weaker, but sometimes we get comfortable and sometimes we think, hey, I've invested in that, I get comfortable. And then we can start to slowly creep in and start to get more into feeding our flesh here and feeding our flesh there, just a little bit here, a little bit there. And so we're going to keep a check on that. But I think the key is the weapons of warfare are not carnal. So it's not in your own thinking in your own ability the weapons of warfare are in the word of God so when you're feeding on the word of God and you're getting the word of God in you for the weapons of warfare are not carnal but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and every lofty thought that exalts itself against the truth bringing every thought unto captivity with Christ Jesus so what that means is is, is when you have the word of God in your spirit and if there's a good deposit there and your flesh is weaker than your spirit then in those moments you have the ability but just know though there'll still be a little bit of a temptation the flesh doesn't totally disappear. And it's about building that discipline in your life. So hopefully that blessed that person. Let's just close our eyes, bow our heads as we finish this morning. Beautiful God, we love you, Lord. Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill this place, Lord, with your presence.
sweet presence of God. Lord, as everyone's sitting here, we've gone through this teaching this morning. Lord, we know that you are with us and you're never going to leave us and you're never, ever, ever going to forsake us. But Lord, we pray that you would strengthen every person here today. Know, Lord, that you're giving us a battle plan this morning. You're giving us a strategy this morning to starve those fleshly things and to feast on the things that would make us strong, men and women of God. Lord, release a new revelation of the promises of God in this place. Encourage people, Lord, there's benefits in being that person like Jacob. Putting those things aside, the temporal, immediate things, those immediate desires, and chasing after the things of God. Lord, I pray, Father, for a resilience and a capacity, Lord, to be established within our church people and our church family, Father. Lord, I thank you for the youngest person in the room to the oldest person in the room. And we pray right now for a steadfast faith. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you're not calling anyone to be perfect. But, Lord, you're calling us to rise to a new place of spiritual dominion. And I thank you, Lord, that you've laid out just a simple and straightforward battle plan. Father, you've laid out the things that we feast on will grow and the things that we starve will die. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you've highlighted and illuminated in every single individual's lives what are those things that we need to feast on in this season and what are those things that we need to starve, Lord, to strengthen us and to position us, Jesus, to walk in everything that you have for us. Lord, we love you and we acknowledge, God, that you're our mighty shepherd. And this morning, you're just guiding us to fresh pasture. You're taking us, Lord, to a place that will really feed us, that will really fulfill us, and that will really sustain us. Your beautiful word and your presence. We thank you, Lord. We honor you in this place, Jesus.